0: going to find uh, at Hobby Lobby in a, a nice, beautiful nativity scene set. Uh, these are uh, the people that kind of uh, live in the shadows that we skip over at this time of the year to focus on, on other people. And so uh, the first week we looked at Luke, the gospel writer. Then last week we looked at Zechariah, the priest. And this week we're moving from Zechariah to his wife, Elizabeth. Um, Now, uh, Elizabeth, uh, it's not really that surprising that her story uh, gets uh, overshadowed at this time of the year, even though uh, she also had a really miraculous pregnancy. Her story gets trumped every year by uh, Mary's story, uh, even though they both had this miraculous pregnancy, Um, but not today not today. We're going to look at Elizabeth and and what her story teaches us about what we're to learn uh, during this season of Advent. So uh, the first thing is, what do we know about Elizabeth? Uh, Well, we looked a little bit at, at Elizabeth last year in conjunction with Zechariah. So there's a few things you may remember if you were here last week. Uh, first of all, what we know about Elizabeth is that she was righteous and faithful. She uh, was obedient in the sight of God. She, she followed all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. That's what scripture tells us. So in other words, she was really a pious person, a faithful person, obedient to God in everything that she did there's something else that we're told, uh, right off the bat about Elizabeth. And that is that she, um, and, and I want to add in that also her husband, uh, because these sorts of things are a two person, uh, sort of thing that we're talking about. She and her husband were unable to conceive a child. Um, the way we would put it today is that they were suffering from issues of, uh, fertility, the way that scripture puts it sometimes a lot more harsher than that is that she was barren. She was barren. Um, So these are the things that we know about Elizabeth. She was pious. uh, She was faithful. She was obedient to God and uh, she had some fertility issues. Then the other thing that we know about um, Elizabeth is uh, in found in Luke chapter one, verse 25. Um, it it tells us that because of this fact that she and Zechariah were unable to conceive, because of this fact that they were infertile and that she was barren, Elizabeth was seen as a disgrace among the people. She was viewed as a disgrace because in those days to not bear a child was considered disgraceful. Um, Especially for someone who was supposed to be righteous and faithful and pious, Uh, a a child was a sign of God's blessing. And so to not have a child was a disgrace. And so right off the bat, I just want to point out the disparity in these descriptions of Elizabeth. Because on one hand, we have scripture telling us in, in one verse that she is righteous and faithful. But then on, on the other hand, we have a few verses later, this, this passage telling us that she was a disgrace among the people. And these two things, they don't seem to go uh, hand in hand, at least for me. Because how can you be faithful and a disgrace at, at the same time? They just seem to be mutually exclusive terms that you wouldn't think go together. But, but somehow, Elizabeth is seen as both faithful and a disgrace. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But first, let's go forward a, a little bit more in the story of Elizabeth. So she finds out that she's pregnant Uh, We can presume that Zechariah, even though he couldn't speak, told her. And then all of a sudden she started to have all these feelings that she hadn't had before. Um, So she finds out she's pregnant and about six months have passed. All right. And after six months of Elizabeth being pregnant, we read another story in Luke's gospel about another woman in the Nazareth and Galilee who has another unexpected miraculous pregnancy announcement from the angel Gabriel. Now, this one, uh, Mary is a teenage girl. Uh, She's not married, but is pledged to be married to Joseph. Joseph and is still a virgin, but in spite of the seeming biological impossibilities of this, she's somehow pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Mary hears this, she talks a little bit with the angel, and then the angel leaves, and I can't help but wonder what went through Mary's mind immediately after hearing this news. At first, I I have to believe that she was uh, happy, but then almost immediately, I have to imagine that she realized what this would mean for her. Um, I, I have to believe that it was very quickly after Gabriel left Mary that she realizes what this means for her, because you see, in those days, it wasn't just a disgrace to go years and years and years without having a child, but it was also a disgrace, and perhaps even more of a disgrace to have a child outside of marriage. And so I'm just guessing that, that Mary uh, didn't think that this whole story the angel told her about immaculate conception was going to go over too well with her family and friends. I'm guessing they, they, she didn't think that they were going to believe it. Mary knew that if she stayed around home, that people were gonna start to talk. And it could get even worse than talk because in those days, if you were pregnant outside of marriage, there was other much worse things that people would do to you. And so we're told that Mary runs away uh, to escape this disgrace that she must have knew was bound to come. And where does she run to? Well, she runs to her cousin, Elizabeth, a woman who also knew all too well the disgrace in a very similar situation. Now, I like to wonder what was going through Mary's head as she travels alone to her cousin, Elizabeth. It was probably about 70 miles that they would have had to tra- that she would have had to travel. And I'm guessing that on that route to her cousin Elizabeth, she had lots of voices saying things to her, uh, fears of of what the people would call her, what what they would say about her, uh, what this obviously meant about what she had obviously done. I can't help but think that the the things that were going through Mary's head had to have been very similar to the years and years and years of what Elizabeth had going through her mind. The, The things that Elizabeth must have been called to have year after year after year not to receive what she had prayed for a child and all the judgmental looks that she surely received, and, and how people must have been convinced that she had to have done something wrong. Because if you're faithful to God, God will bless you with a child. She had obviously sinned. All these things that Elizabeth must have heard during all these years. And this is where I come back to that, that description of Elizabeth. How she was faithful, and yet also a disgrace. And I, I look at these two descriptions, and I think that they both can't—they they can't both be true. I, I I have to believe that Elizabeth wrestled for years on which one was true. She believed herself to be faithful, but she heard all these people calling her a disgrace. In her heart of hearts, she must have known that she hadn't done anything wrong, and yet she had all these people looking at her like she did do something wrong. And I have to wonder if the the more and more she heard people talking about her or, or looking at her as if she's a disgrace, I have to wonder if the more and more she heard it and saw that, the more and more she started to believe that all of those voices were true. And I have to wonder if that's the way it was for Elizabeth because I know that to be true in my own life and maybe you know it to be true in your own life. That the things that we believe about ourselves, about who we are, tend to become clouded out and overshadowed by the things that we hear other people say about us. And the more and more we hear the things that other people say about us, especially if they're negative, the more and more we tend to believe them, even when we know it can't be true. I wonder if that happened to Elizabeth and to Mary Eventually, Mary got to Elizabeth's house. And Mary is ready to tell Elizabeth what had happened. And I have to think that Mary was hoping against hope that Elizabeth, someone, would believe her story about this angel and this miraculous pregnancy. And I I imagine that when Mary got to Elizabeth's house, she was so afraid to tell her the truth afraid that she was going to be met with disgrace but instead we read in scripture that she received precisely the opposite in luke chapter 1 verse 41 we read, we read that immediately when elizabeth heard mary's greeting the baby inside of Elizabeth leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. And so Mary, instead of being met with disgrace, she instead is met with grace. Instead of being met by negativity and disbelief, she's met by joy and love and acceptance and affirmation of what she knew to be true, but all these other voices in her head uh, are trying to convince her otherwise. And I think it's really fitting that this affirmation comes from Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth was a woman who had wrestled for years and years With which voice to believe was true? The voice that called her beloved, the voice that called her faithful, the voice that called her righteous and obedient, or the voices that called her a disgrace? You see, when Elizabeth became pregnant, Scripture tells us that she remained in seclusion for five months. I wonder if she was uh, just unable to believe what had happened to her after all these years. And finally, scripture tells us that she came to a conclusion. And we read the conclusion that she came to in Luke chapter one, verses 24 and 25. Afterwards, Elizabeth became pregnant and she kept to herself for five months. And she said, this is the Lord's doing He has shown his favor to me by removing my disgrace among other people. You see, through this pregnancy, Elizabeth comes to know of what God did for her. She came to know a God who bestows favor on people, not disgrace. She 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 came to know a God that does great things for people, and that faith in God I think gave her her faith and eyes to see a little deeper than other people could see, so that where other people saw disgrace, she started to see grace. Where other people saw a reason to feel shame, she saw a reason to rejoice. And where other people saw a sinner, she saw someone who was highly favored by God. And it's this faith, I think, that allows her and causes her to see in Mary, not some lying little girl claiming a crazy story about an immaculate conception, but something so much greater than that. To see instead a woman who is blessed among women and a child who will be a blessing to all people. And so what does all this mean for us? I think it means two things for us. Um, First, there's a lot of voices in our lives, and in our world, that try and convince us that we are something other than what God says we are. And in our worst moments... Will believe those voices are true. But that's the very reason that Jesus came to dwell among us so that we would come to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are highly favored and blessed. Jesus came into the world to teach us and to show us that to not believe the voices that we hear about ourselves, but to believe that story, that truth instead. That's the first thing I, I get out of this story. The second thing is this. Like Elizabeth, we're called to have eyes of faith that see beyond what the rest of the world sees, to see beyond what others would call a disgrace and instead to see grace. To see beyond what others would see as shame and to see instead a reason to rejoice. To see beyond what people would label as a sinner and instead to see someone who's highly favored by God. Because there are a lot of people in our world, and people in our own families, and people in our workplaces, and our schools, and in our neighborhoods who have heard these voices telling them that they are fill in the blank, they're unworthy or they're unlovable, they're a disgrace or a disappointment, they're a failure or pathetic, they're weak or inadequate. And I believe that as people of God, we're called to have eyes like Elizabeth, to see beyond and to see what God sees us as. And so, what I want you to do uh, today, right now, is to spend a minute thinking about someone in your life who has maybe come to believe all these negative things that they've heard or believed about themselves. And to think of someone who you could share this joy with, this good news with, that you could see in them not disgrace, but grace, that you could see in them not a sinner, but someone highly favored by God. Let's just take a minute in silence and think about one person in your life, and then I'll close this in prayer. Loving God, uh, I'm picturing someone in my mind uh, right now who has started to believe that they're inadequate or not good enough because things just haven't gone the way they thought they would in their life. And there are people all around us who, who have these feelings that they're not worthy enough, they're not lovable, they're, they're failures, they're weak, they're pathetic. But God, we we celebrate you today, this season, that you are a God who comes for all of us. That you come for all of us because of the very fact that you view us as lovable. That You see us as your highly favored children. And so, God, uh, this week we pray that you would give us courage to share that with someone who we think might need it. To the person who thinks they're a disgrace, help us to show grace. Help us to be the sort of people who will show others who they truly are in the light and the joy of who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen.